SEP Fanfic Readings presents Thanks to the Photographs by Unstable Hufflepuff Chapter 29 I Have Food Two weeks later Hermione, so, Malcolm was a bastard. I honestly didn't see that coming. Your lover boy came to see me, as I'm sure he's told you, and he began explaining, and I just thought, well, aren't I stupid? Gianna, too. Good God, she was barely twenty. I was eighteen. Did you know he had to pack up his lab? I don't even know what he's going to do now, but I can't say that I care. Anyway, I found a job as an assistant for another master. Potions this time. I've yet to speak to her in person, but she seems nice. She lives in Madrid. I'll be moving in a week, and I cannot wait. Love, Sophia. P.S. Do you think your friend Veronica would be willing to visit me sometime? Dear Hermione, Firstly, I want to congratulate you on the food increase spell. It has done our community a world of good, and I do hope that you are as proud of yourself as I am. However, this is not why I am writing you. I am afraid I owe you quite the apology. I must say that I never believed you were at fault. I know you too well to have fallen for that. The issue was, I am one of only a handful of people that do, and do to my position. I am forced to consider the opinions of the public, though I might disagree with the consensus. I have no choice but to allow it to guide me. You know that I have been working to reform the Ministry. Sadly, it is not as easy as one might think. No matter the losses we suffered in both wars, there are still those that carry the same prejudice we fought to absolve. I firmly believe that you, a muggle-born war heroine, would play a major role in disproving their beliefs. I imagined that you would one day rise to be the head of the Department for the Control and Regulation of Magical Creatures. Perhaps in time, you would even take my place as Minister for Magic. But unfortunately, there is only so much the public can take. There have been pure-blood wizards who have been placed in similar situations to your own, and it always caused a stir. In time, however, it is brushed aside and forgotten about because of their status. They are still highly respected regardless of their mistakes. For a muggle-born witch, that is not the case. The general public, no matter how progressive they may claim to be, was still waiting for you to slip up. I hope that one day this will not be the case— that is what I am working towards. We are not there yet, though. Recently, however, the overall public has changed their opinion. They are remembering the good you have done and continue to do for the sake of your community. I would like to formally offer you your old job back, with a higher salary and better benefits that we can discuss in person if you are interested. If you are not interested, I understand. I hope that you do not think poorly of me, but it was never my intent to be anything but honest with you— even if the truth that I speak is an unpleasant one. I am currently in the process of changing the official name for the Department for the Control of Regulation of Magical Creatures. I know that was always something you wanted. I'm thinking something along the lines of the care and safety of magical creatures, but I would like your input, if you are amenable. Hoping you are well. Kingsley Shacklebolt. Four weeks later. Dearest Hermione, I've just read the latest issue of Transfiguration today. Molly has her Witch Weekly, of course, but I've always enjoyed this particular news source myself. Though I have always been better at charms than Transfiguration, I still find it mighty fascinating. Congratulations on your work. That food increase spell is absolutely brilliant. I know, as someone who has struggled to provide for his family, that this advancement has come as a true blessing to many members of the magical community. If it had been created twenty years ago, I would have gotten down on my knees and kissed the very ground you walk on. 
now that you have been thoroughly congratulated. I must tell you how upset I was to hear about the behavior of this Adler wizard. I will forever be grateful that my Ginny has found a wizard like Harry. He is a good man, and it often seems as though there are very few of those. I wish the same for you, and I am glad to hear that Mr. Malfoy appears to be taking such good care of you. I want you to know that as a parent, and as someone who cares very much for you, that your parents would be proud of the wits you have become and all of your many accomplishments. I cannot say whether they would approve of Mr. Malfoy, but I trust that they, like me, would only wish for you to be happy. And if he makes you happy, then that would be good enough for them. I would very much like to meet you for lunch to discuss the food increase spell. It is up to you, however, to decide whether or not you'd like to see me. Please let me know. With love, Arthur. P.S. Attached you will find a photograph of the two of us taken whilst we were unaware by Charlie about five summers ago. I don't know if you remember, but you were attempting to explain that dishwasher contraption to me by drawing a diagram in the dirt. It is a fond memory of mine, and I look back at it often. Four months later. It was one of those warm, late June days during which there were no clouds in the sky, and the black lake glittered in the sunlight. The Hogwarts Express had just left that morning, taking the students home for the summer holiday, and Draco and Hermione now laid on a blanket beneath the beech tree next to the water, Hermione soaking up the sun while Draco hid in the shade. She was teaching him how to set up a charcuterie board, using a number of items she'd taken from the kitchen earlier that day. It was fully equipped with various cheeses, meats, breads, fruits, and more. "'Right,' she said, sitting up on her knee. She wrapped a piece of aged cheddar in prosciutto and drizzled a little honey on it before holding it up to him. "'Open up.' Draco obliged, and she placed the offering in his mouth before reaching for his goblet of wine. She handed it to him, smiling eagerly. "'Well, what's the verdict?' He nodded slowly, smiling back at her. "'It's good,' he said eventually. "'I'd like more, please.' Then he opened his mouth expectantly. "'You are such a brat!' said Hermione fondly, though she wrapped up another piece of cheddar for him all the same. "'You live to spoil me,' he said after swallowing. He took another sip of his wine and set it down before sitting up, leaning back against the trunk of the tree. "'Come here.' She crawled up to him and shifted around until she was lying between his legs, her head on his chest. Draco wrapped his arms around her, sighing heavily. "'My mother wrote to me today,' he told her after a long moment, and Hermione was immediately wary. "'She said she'd like to have lunch with me sometime.' "'Is that what you want?' she asked. "'Yes,' he said without hesitation. "'I still... I still want to be able to see her, to speak with her, even if she doesn't approve of my choices.' Hermione nodded in understanding. She also said that, Draco paused, swallowing, she doesn't want to have anything to do with you or, or any, he sighed heavily. I think her exact words were half-blood heirs. But still, I want her to be in my life, even if it's only a small part of it. She's your mother, Draco, of course you do. You're not angry, then. Hermione tilted her head up to frown at him. Why would I be angry? Draco shrugged rather jerkily and said, I just don't want to give you the impression that I care about what they think, that we share any of the same beliefs. I know you don't, Draco, she said seriously. I know you. I know you don't think like that anymore. Anymore, he repeated, clenching his jaw. Hey, Hermione whispered, reaching up to cup his cheek. What's done is done. Dwelling on it won't do you any good.' 
Draco nodded, not looking at her. What brought this on? she asked, concerned. I thought we covered this already. Is it just what your mother said? No, I... He paused, taking a deep breath, and lowered his gaze to meet her own. I suppose I'm just getting myself all worked up over nothing. Anxiety, I guess. It's making me question myself. Are you anxious about seeing your mother again? Well, yes, but that's not what this is about. Well, I can't help you if you don't tell me what's wrong, said Hermione softly. That's the thing, Hermione, said Draco, with a slightly hysterical chuckle. There's nothing wrong. Everything is... It's more than I could have ever hoped for, and I'm just waiting for something bad to happen. I'm just waiting for it all to go to hell. I know that's not healthy. He added when she opened her mouth. But it's how I feel. Hermione sat up and turned to face him, kneeling between his legs. She took his hands in her own, as though by holding them in some way she could somehow vanquish his fears. What do you think is going to happen? I don't know, said Draco weakly. That's the issue. Last time I did this, I did know. I knew exactly what was going to happen. It was expected, even. I signed a bloody contract for it. Hermione hadn't a clue what he was talking about and remained silent, not knowing what to say. I had a plan, he continued, sounding frustrated now. I've thought about it for months now. I even consulted Andromeda and Ginevra. I got approval from Potter, and yet I feel completely out of my depth. I mean, we were supposed to have a nice picnic, you know? He released one of her hands to gesture wildly. Enjoy the bloody sunshine. The students would be gone, so we would have little to no responsibilities. And it was going to be perfect. But then I got this letter from my mother, and you went off to prepare the picnic yourself, and now I feel like I've ruined it all. Merlin, I sound ridiculous right now. I'm just making it worse. Breathe, Draco, said Hermione worriedly, giving his hand what she hoped was a comforting squeeze. Take a deep breath and explain what has got you so upset. He released a long breath giving her a pained look. I can't. It's not perfect anymore. Draco. He pulled his hand away from her to run his fingers through his hair, utterly distressed. Frowning, she leaned forwards, planting her hands on his upper thighs to hold herself up. She blinked, looking down. There was something hard in his pocket. Without thinking, she reached for it, only to have Draco bat her hand away, making an almost inhuman noise. This only increased her concern, and she practically wrestled him for whatever he was hiding in there. Hermione! Hermione, stop! Don't! Please! Hermione elbowed him in the ribs, using it as a diversion so that she could reach into his pocket. From within it, she drew a small, blue velvet box. She inhaled a shaky breath, her heart beating frantically in her chest, and looked up at him. Draco made a miserable face. Is this what I think it is? she asked, her voice barely above a whisper. Please don't open it, he said quietly. I told you. It's not perfect anymore. Draco, she breathed, her eyes filling with tears. Draco, darling, it doesn't have to be perfect. But I wanted it to be, said Draco stubbornly, crossing his arms over his chest. It's what you deserve, perfection. I have no interest in perfection. He continued to sulk, seemingly on the verge of pouting. Come, Hermione said suddenly, standing up. She reached for his hand and forced him to his feet. Let me prove it to you. Take off your shoes. Drago kicked off his shoes, pouting for real now. With a watery chuckle, she dragged him towards the lake, kicking off her own shoes as she went. Hermione, no, it's my time to talk now. She stepped into the cool lake, her bare feet on its pebbly shore. Once they were knee-deep, she shoved him head-first into the water. 
He came up, spluttering and jerking his head much like a dog trying to shake off water, and she held her breath, dunking herself in, though she raised the small velvet box over her head to keep it from getting wet. "'It doesn't have to be perfect,' she said when she came back up, gasping for air. "'Love isn't perfect, Draco. It's flawed, and it can be painful, and sometimes it's a mess. But that's what makes it real. This,' she added, gesturing between them, "'is real.' Draco stared at her, breathless and glassy-eyed. She approached him slowly, wading further into the lake until they were both standing waist-deep. "'I love you, Draco Malfoy. I love you more than I've ever loved anyone in my entire life. I want to be with you. I don't care how it happens. I don't care what we have to do in order to get there. All that matters to me is you.' He drew a deep breath, his eyes watering. "'Now,' she said, holding the box out for him to take, "'ask me.' He took it with shaking hands and carefully opened it to reveal a large opal ring set in sterling silver. Hermione Granger. His voice cracked, and he winced. He drew another breath and tried again. Hermione Granger. You. You've taught me a lot. Fuck, that sounds stupid. Keep going, she urged gently. You've taught me a lot, he repeated, looking determined now. You taught me to think for myself, and to be brave enough to take action. You taught me to not care about what other people think and to take control of my own life. If it weren't for you, I'd still be living the same unhappy life, simply doing what I was told. Nothing more and nothing less. I love you so much. And I know they caused you a lot of pain, but... He let out a small chuckle, smiling. I am so unbelievably thankful for those fucking photographs. Hermione laughed, a few tears slipping down her face, and nodded for him to go on. I owe you so much, and I am going to spend the rest of my life repaying you for all you have done for me. If you'll have me, that is. Hermione. Hermione, will you marry me? Of course I will, you fool, she cried, laughing still. She extended her left hand and grinning. Draco slid the opal ring onto her finger. She didn't wait a second before leaping into his arms, sending them both falling backward into the water. For fuck's sake, he gasped spitting out a mouthful of water, his arms still wrapped securely around her waist. This shirt is silk, Hermione. I don't fucking care, she chortled, grinning so broadly her cheeks were sure to be sore later. I'm going to be the next Mrs. Malfoy. Draco looked at her in surprise. You really want to take my name, he said. It's not exactly a great one these days. It's still yours, said Hermione pointedly. And besides, we can make it great. "'Yeah?' he said, his eyes wide with either hope or wonder. She couldn't tell. She nodded, lifting herself up so that she could wrap her legs around his waist. He adjusted his grip on her to keep them from falling again. "'Can I tell you a secret, Draco?' she whispered, pressing her forehead to his. "'I, too, am thankful for those fucking photographs.'" Two years later, Hermione made her way down the busy street, sidestepping a number of muggles on their way home from work, a paper bag of takeaway from a pub a block over in her arms. It was early spring, one of those days where the sun actually took it upon itself to come out, though there were still puddles everywhere from the rain they'd had the previous few days. She approached the brick townhome on the corner and gently pushed open the front gate before walking up the front steps. It was time. It had been time for a while now, but she hadn't quite worked up the courage until now, even with Harry and Ginny constantly telling her it was something she needed to do. 
It had been Draco leaving for his bi-monthly dinner at Malfoy Manor, practically radiating nervous energy, that finally had her forcing herself to come here. Taking a deep breath, she raised her fist and knocked on the door. "'Just a second. she heard a familiar voice shout out, followed by heavy footfalls that grew louder and louder until the door swung open. Standing there, his mouth open in shock, he looked just as he did the last time she saw him, so many years ago. He even had on an orange jumper with Chudley cannons emblazoned on the front. "'Hi, Ron.' Ron stared at her a moment longer, seemingly incapable of speech, before finally giving her a small nod. "'Mrs. Malfoy, you weren't who I was expecting.' "'Were you expecting someone?' asked Hermione. He shook his head slowly, utterly nonplussed. "'May I come in, then?' She held up the paper bag, smiling weakly. "'I have food.' Ron appeared to have been holding his breath, because it left him in a rush. "'I guess, yeah,' he said. "'Sure.' He stepped aside, and Hermione entered the front hallway, fighting to keep her heart steady. "'You can, um, take your shoes and coat off. There's a cupboard just there.' Hermione nodded, sheepishly handing him the takeaway, and removed both her shoes and coat, tucking them away in the cupboard next to the door. She then had to take another deep breath before turning back to him. It took him a moment, but he finally glanced down and noticed the tips of his ears immediately going red. "'Oh,' he said softly. "'Oh,' Hermione repeated awkwardly, resting a hand on her swollen abdomen. Ron gave himself a little shake. "'Right, this way,' he said, and led her down the hallway, taking a right into the kitchen. It was surprisingly tidy, given whose it was, but she supposed that was his girlfriend's doing. She couldn't quite remember what the woman's name was, but according to Harry, she was a muggle that Ron had met on a trip to the park with Rose and Poppy. She herself was a single mother, and her son had apparently befriended Poppy.' It was after a number of playdates between the pair that she and Ron had gotten together. It was awkward, if also not a little sad, how Hermione and Ron instantly fell into step with each other, setting the table and filling up each other's plates, not having forgotten exactly what the other liked. They sat down on opposite sides of the table, and Hermione suddenly couldn't recall what she had planned to say. So, Ron said after several minutes of silence, to her immense relief, when are you due? November. "'Thought of any names yet?' Hermione ate four chips at once, blushing, and nodded her head. "'Draco wants to follow the Black family tradition,' she said. "'We've decided on Scorpius if it's a boy, Regulus for a middle name. "'I thought it would be symbolic, you know, redeemed Death Eaters and whatnot.' Ron wolf-whistled. "'Scorpius Regulus Malfoy,' he said. "'That's a mouthful, isn't it?' "'I like it,' said Hermione, shrugging. "'And if it's a girl?' "'Karina.' We haven't decided on a middle name yet. Perhaps Andromeda. I think she'd like that. Ron nodded absently, tossing a chip in his mouth. Did you convince Malfoy to let Harry be godfather yet? It took some time, I'll admit, Hermione said, smiling. But he's coming around to the idea. Pansy will be godmother. She's already taken to spoiling the baby rotten, and it's not even born yet. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. She and I and I had a bit of a row the other day. She tried to make the nursery constellation themed. There was a lot of glitter involved. Ron snorted in amusement. Creature put a stop to it, though. Said the black heir needed a respectable nursery, one fit for his station. Bet he was awfully chuffed about the name ideas. Oh, he was. He cried tears of joy when I told him. Hermione ate another few chips, seemingly unable to have one at a time. Then he cried for some more when Minerva let him off his duties to take care of the baby full time. 
I can't believe it, said Ron ruefully. You having a house elf. Well, he's not exactly my house elf, is he? said Hermione primly. Besides, it makes him happy. Who am I to take away his happiness? I suppose that's fair enough. Are you two going to get a house in Hogsmeade when the baby comes? No, we've decided to stay at Hogwarts. Minerva's even found a high chair to place at the head table. Ron laughed, and the sound made Hermione smile. They were both silent for a while, making their way through their respective meals. Finally, when their plates were clear, she cleared her throat. She stalled long enough. I'm sorry. Ron looked up at her, surprised. I'm sorry that I didn't give you a chance to explain yourself. Hermione went on, a lump in her throat. And I'm sorry that I went so long without speaking to you. Even after everything. You were still my best friend. I should have stayed to listen. She frowned down at her empty plate, adding, Listening wouldn't have changed anything, of course, but I still wish I had. Ron didn't speak for a moment, and she was too anxious to look at him. You don't owe me an apology, Hermione, he said at last. I betrayed you, not the other way around. I should have said something right when it happened. Yes, said Hermione quietly. You should have. I'm sorry. I know. She sighed, her eyes watering as they were wont to do as of late. Sniffling, she met his gaze. I've missed you. Ron smiled sadly at her, looking a little tearful himself. He extended a hand and she grasped it at once, hastily wiping away a few tears as she did. I've missed you too, Hermione. Do you think we could be friends again? He let out a watery chuckle, nodding his head vigorously. Course we can. I'd, I'd like that. I'd like that a lot. Oh, Ron... Hermione cried, springing to her feet. She hastened around the table, and he stood just in time to catch her as she threw herself into his arms. "'I've missed you so much!' He squeezed her tightly, resting his chin on the top of her head, and she began sobbing into his chest, which she would later blame on her hormones. "'I'm so sorry, Hermione,' Ron whispered in a broken voice. "'I'm so, so sorry.' "'You've already said that,' Hermione told him, raising her head to look at him. The only thing you have left to apologize for is this jumper. Ron gaped at her, too aghast to bother wiping away his tears. What the bloody hell is that supposed to mean? Look at it, exclaimed Hermione, choking on another sob. It's hideous, Ron. But it's the cannons. They're at the bottom of the league. Still! Oh, so now you follow Quidditch. If you had orange trousers on right now, you would look like a Cheeto. I don't even know what that is. Good, they're terrible for you.